You know, back when I was in the academy, we would follow every toast with a song. I wonder if I can... Oh, yes. <clears throat> Come cheer up, my lads, tis to glory we steer to find something new in this wonderful year to honor we call you as three men. Transfer complete. Hello and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that happened in the year 2022. That's right, it's the end of the year, so Tyler and I are here to wrap up probably the busiest year in Star Trek, maybe ever? Okay, we had five Star Trek series <laughs> running <laughs> on the air in 2022. 22 i i we you know me i go back as the 90s childs you know we, we'd get like you know uh 26 episodes from deep space 9 26 episodes of star trek voyager running simultaneously 52 hours i i see i don't know if we quite got 52 hours of star trek throughout the year but we've never had five star trek shows running throughout 2022 or you know, any year altogether. This has just been like one of the craziest years, just disparate in terms of content and um, disparate in terms of quality as well, which I, I think <laughs> we, we should discuss. I think of this year a little bit as a Star Trek Next Generation season two, where it's like wow. you had highs like Measure of a Man or Q Who, and then you had some baffling lows. It was a little more balanced than season two TNG, but it, it felt like that sometimes. And it's funny, you know, you're saying we may not have had as many episodes as back in the 90s, but I feel like the fact we had five different shows and it was like, you know, whether it was a new show like Prodigy or Strange New Worlds or a show that was kind of mixing up its tone for season two, you know, the next season like Picard did with season two. It felt like there was a lot more adjusting, a lot more getting used to the vibe of a season of Star Trek than ever before. Like, you had to do that for basically five different shows this year. Yeah. I'll say this. Um, not necessarily, like, we may have had more than 52 episodes. I just don't know if we had 52 hours worth. It's because, like, we're getting all these half-hour episodes from, like... Lower Decks or Prodigy, what have you. So, uh, look, I... Or Picard. I, well, oh, my God. <laughs> 32 minutes. What was the... Cam, do you remember off the top of your head what was the 32-minute long Star Trek Picard episode? I think it was two of one, the uh, heist episode. You know which we got to sing Dr. Gerardi slash the Borg Queen sing? They were going to cut that, but they realized then it would be about 27 minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, well, let me throw this to you this way. Um, what did you think? Okay, we've been doing this podcast for like seven, eight years now, Cam. Mm. Um, what do you think of Star Trek in 2022 compared with, you know, previous years that we've done? I think this was the most overwhelming Star Trek has ever been, where it was, hmm, it was a, it was kind of an odd year, like for the, it had the biggest impact on the podcast, I think of any other year, <laughs> definitely more so than 2014, um, because... 
it was like what new star trek were we looking forward to in 2014 we had just gotten off of into darkness yep the year before and we're like you know what into darkness next year we'll start a podcast for star trek folks exactly we hear this renegades might be a big thing um <laughs> the, uh, the the fan uh fiction film you're uh referring to of course of course um and so i think like this year it was interesting that it had such an impact on the show because if you go through the episodes of subspace for the year it's so much coverage of all of these new shows with you know fewer of our kind of typical random topic episodes than we usually have so sexiest star trek moments <laughs> yeah we did not get to do as many uh, sexy star trek moments as we usually like to do in any given year i i i listeners I'm going to make it happen no matter what. Doesn't matter what Cam says. I'm going to make Star Trek sexy again. <laughs> Iris Stereotypes Part 2. Yeah, we didn't get to do that yeah. either. Um, so, yeah, it had a huge impact on the show. And just in terms of the year of watching Star Trek, it became like, I think we hit a point this this past year where fandom became less, like, just full-on enthusiastic about every new bit of Star Trek. And you started to see maybe a little bit of weariness or maybe just people kind of picking and choosing what shows they were going to stick with. It didn't feel like, you know, for example, Prodigy was being met with like the fanfare that like season one Picard or season one Discovery or kind of that earlier yeah. Kurtzman track was. But it wasn't like it was being met with like this distinct sense of oversaturation that I recall mm. in the late 90s, early 2000s when I was watching Star Trek. No. Where I think people were just kind of sick of the Berman formula at that point. Whereas there is no formula going on <laughs> in, in these five respective series. So I think if you keep it diverse enough and Paramount is building up these content libraries, it makes sense. Although, Cam, we've had a very tumultuous year for these streaming services. And I, I just wonder how long we've got with regards to these like paramount dumping hundreds of millions of dollars which i can say very confidently hundreds of millions of dollars that they've done over the last five five and a half years into the star trek franchise i i i don't know if that tap is necessarily going to be um going at fire hose level going into 2023 um so folks still banking on that star trek section 31 spinoff you might have to hold your breath a little longer. Yeah, I mean, you and I both canceled our Paramount Plus subscriptions. Not that uh, that affects Star Trek here in Canada. Star Trek is on the Crave app. But uh, yeah, like it's going to be interesting to see as we go forward in the streaming wars as to which ones start to crumble and which ones gain a lot of strength um, with rising costs of streaming services and just the economy being what it is, a lot of people are going to have to pick and choose what's really important to them just to accommodate like the cost of living. So you're going to start to probably see some issues there. But I mean, I hope we at least get, you know, plenty of Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, you know, the shows I'm really invested in. Okay. Um, we are most certainly getting uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3 and Star Trek Discovery Season 5 going into next year. Yep. Um, Cam, how excited are you for these series, respectively? Um, I, I'm very excited for Strange New World Season 2 because I, I really feel like they kind of figured out what their show is. 
they're pretty confident off the bat, but I really think they're going to run in season two. Um, so that's the one I'm really excited for. Um, that's about it. <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, like Picard season three, it's going to be, it's the show that like, I, I really don't have excitement for because that would imply that I was expecting quality out of it. But I guess I'm more like, I'm ready to have my curiosity uh, satiated, kind of just to see what the end of this journey is. Would you not call it morbid curiosity? Yeah, that's what it kind of is at this point, yes. Like, just as a podcaster, uh, doing the show with you week to week, look, uh, I, I thought Discovery was torturous, and you and I had to give up on, on doing, like, weekly podcasts. Like, we'd have to bunch the episodes up, and we do two or three at a time. Uh, that said, I think Discovery is an objectively, in season four at least, was an objectively better written show than Picard season two. Yeah. But I had, Cam, I had so much fun podcasting Picard season two, like more fun than any other season of Star Trek, because I could not believe what was unfolding on screen. It was just the worst television writing I've ever borne witness to. And I, I don't watch many like crappy shows. I just don't have time. I mean, there's stuff that I like to indulge in, you know, like, um, you know, um, 90 Day Fiance, you know, kind of the trashy shows. Those shows are fun to watch. Picard season two just felt like it was scripts for the CW superhero series that could not get on the air, but suddenly they're being bankrolled by Paramount and they're calling them like a Star Trek TV show spinoff. And I just, I could not wrap my head around how poorly written the scripts were. You and I had an absolute blast. At a certain point we gave up on the show about, you know, just, just before the halfway mark and we had a lot of fun ridiculing how poorly written Picard season two was well there was a lot of really good Star Trek this past year which if you go back um, to our best of the Kurtzman era episode we called out a lot of the episodes that were really really strong this past year but I think this may have been the most inexplicable year for Star Trek um, with Picard season two some of the Discovery episodes that episode of Strange New Worlds, Elysian Kingdom. Yeah. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen more bizarre Star Trek um, entertainment being filtered into a single year. Yeah. That said, I, like we'd want to be like the downers here. Uh, there's a lot of Star Trek we've really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. You know, like looking at Star Trek Strange New Worlds. This is what bugs me so much, though. It, it's like, okay, five years into the Kurtzman era. People are like, oh, they finally cracked the code with Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's This is actually show, like, um, uh, just in the blogs, the critics' reviews, the podcasts that I listen to, no one has been talking about Picard. No one has been talking about Discovery for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People were talking about Strange New Worlds. And it's like, yeah, they finally cracked the code. And like, yeah, they watched an episode of Star Trek you know, pre-2017. <laughs> like, that that's the code right there. It's, they made Star Trek Star Trek again. And it's not like I'm somebody who is desperate for nostalgia. I think what you need to do is realize what made Star Trek work in the first place and see what you can do to kind of subvert expectations and raise the stakes. And uh, I, I mean, I, I had so much fun watching Strange New Worlds. And I, I just kind of wish that that's what they came out of the gate with. 
no matter how simple it was when, you know, it was 2017 and we're getting discovery. Remember, Kim, we watched those first two episodes and we're like, okay, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. I wonder where they go from here. And we gave discovery seasons one and seasons two the benefit of the doubt a lot of times. And and there's some high highs and some very low lows. But ultimately, I just think if we we came out of the gate with Strange New Worlds, I mean, I, I think... I think, you know, Paramount would have, like, a much more vibrant franchise on their hands. People, like, much more, like, energized, no pun intended, about the franchise right now. I just think with Discovery in 2017, there was a real sense of, like, people aren't willing to be excited about what Star Trek was. Like, you know, given kind of the... um the waning enthusiasm for shows like Voyager and Enterprise during their time, there was a real sense of like, whatever this new Star Trek show is, it has to be radically different to draw in a lot of viewers who would never uh, tune into a normal Star Trek show. And it seemed like that formula was sort of mixed. Like I know that like Discovery, because it's streaming, so who knows what the numbers are for streaming. But in terms of Canada, it was showing on TV, and apparently the ratings were very good for Discovery on TV. So maybe it worked to some degree, but um, there's just been a general sense, I think, of like, with streaming, ultimately, you're also kind of just playing to a niche audience with a lot of shows. And it's almost like they just embraced what that audience was. And Strange New Worlds, by focusing on that audience, and I think pleasing most of them um it somehow was picked up and a lot of then as you said there was a lot of buzz in the media a lot of um sites and podcasts were covering it because it was delivering something that was true to the spirit of the property people loved but was doing it at a level that was exciting and seemed like it could draw new fans i don't think like a lot of the new star trek shows i mean i would be absolutely i would love to meet the the star trek fan in the future who found the franchise through season two Picard. That would be like a life dream to encounter. (laughs) But I mean, like, I think a show like Strange New Worlds has a lot more potential to do that just by being true to what it is. Because I think like if you create a show that feels so radically different, say, say Discovery, someone watches Discovery and is like, I love what this show's doing. It's violent. It's like really action based. What else is there in Star Trek? And you're like, well, you should check out TNG. (laughs) And you're watching Picard make tea. People go... Like, uh, okay, like this isn't what I want to watch. So I think Strange New Worlds might be a little better at bridging that gap towards the, you know, the the previous history of the franchise. Well, you know, this may be a conversation I was going to broach with you a little bit later on, but I, I think about something, okay, you and I have talked a lot about other media throughout this year, yeah. more so than any other year. Do you recall, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first non-Star Trek thing or relatively, like uh, that we started talking about is I think we did kind of the uh, the Orville. Um, you and I discussed the first episode, and I was doing recaps throughout the first season. And then was was it really not until Blade Runner? You know, you and I went and saw that, and then we were like, you know what, this is sci-fi property. This might be of interest to listeners. And then was that when we really kind of started talking about maybe like sci-fi properties, and then kind of got more into you know, expanding to other media at the end of our regular Star Trek episodes, Cam? We did talk about the, like, Star Wars Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rogue One films when they came out. I think we did an episode also about J.J. Abrams coming off of Star Wars and his history of Star Trek. We did, I don't remember what the episode was called. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. 
but we did kind of <laughs> try to jump on the old ratings bandwagon for Star Wars Force Awakens there. Um, so there was the odd, like, I guess, sci-fi-themed property, or mostly film. It was mostly films at that point. Yeah. And you're right, yeah, Blade Runner we definitely tackled. Um, but yes, the uh, um, Orville was the first, like, sci-fi television show we started covering. But we really got into it wholeheartedly this past year when there was just all this Star Wars property. Because, you know, we've done the, the Mandalorian or Cam DeLorton report you know, in the previous two seasons. But this year, in terms of Star Wars, we, we had, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We had Boba Fett. We had um, uh, Andor. And it was just like, uh, how many hours of television is that right there? We're talking about, like, almost, like, half the year that we devoted talking to the Star Wars series. And it was just interesting how kind of meh we were on, say, something like uh, Obi-Wan, how thumbs down we were on at least, like, the first two-thirds of uh, Boba Fett and turned the, until they turned that into season three of The Mandalorian. And then how we really came around on Andor at about the halfway point. And it's just kind of a fascinating experience just to, I guess, compare with our Star Trek experience this past year. Um, and the reason I bring this all up, though, is because I get the sense that what we got from Andor was what the Star Trek writers were hoping to accomplish with this franchise, in which this is more kind of the adult version of this beloved franchise that uh, leans more towards, you know, some adult themes. Uh, not not so much as Star Wars. Star Wars is more, like, a little bit simpler, but, like... How do we make this um, hit really for more adult audiences? And, and the thing that I think everybody kind of agrees on is like, Andor is very well regarded, but I it was not a rating smash, uh, just based on like what, what kind of the buzz and what you can gather from the very um, uncertain metrics that do exist when it comes to these streaming networks. Yeah, I mean, have you met, run into many people that have watched Andor? Mm. -mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat. It was just one guy at work. Online, it, it's like, it, or on the podcast I listen to. Cam, I, I I don't listen to many podcasts where people are like, yeah, and or suck. No. Um, yeah. I, I When I'm on, like, social media, it's uh, it, it, there's not much and or hate mm -hmm. around there. Uh, you and I were both kind of like, I just remember up until the episode six, the I, you and I were just <laughs> we kind of confused and... We were, I think we we're just wary because we had kind of been down this road before with Star Trek and th those, this year of Star Wars with Boba Fett and, and Obi-Wan, we were very, very skeptical that we could get something going really well. Or maybe me more so than you. Um, I'm a little bit colder on Rogue One. Like I, I rewatched Rogue One, uh, I think, before the penultimate episode of Andor and my feelings on that film like ha has not really changed at all. But I just think Tony Gilroy, the creator of the show, and also the uh, writer-director kind of behind the scenes of Rogue One, it was a very complicated production. I think he really accomplished what he set out to do. And I was just, is one of the shows that excited me more than anything else this past year. In a way, though, I feel like Andor kind of achieved something that, like, Discovery sort of did a, with a far lower level of quality and confidence. But when we were tackling um, Discovery Seasons 1 and 2, 
there was a lot to mine from the material that was on screen. Like you and I had so many discussions about what was going on in the show. There were so many deep dives you could have about character motivations, story points they were bringing up, even in episodes that weren't very good. And that's something that like Andor had in spades. Whereas like when I look at say like season you know, for Discovery, a lot of the episodes were very thin. They really didn't offer us kind of the treasure trove of things to kind of nitpick over or to kind of like really kind of break apart and try to figure out what was going on with the show. That wasn't so much the case with Discovery Season 4. And I, I like that with Andor, where it really did offer us that depth. So I think part of the reason that we started covering a lot of these other franchises was kind of like some of them were giving us more detailed storytelling to dive into that Star Trek sometimes wasn't. Well, at a certain point, you and I just had to agree. Like, like we can't cover Discovery week to week. We just didn't have that much to say about, you know, plot point, plot point, plot point. Yeah. Or, and also, did people just, do listeners to the show really want to listen to us, like, crap on this franchise that they like? Like, probably not. But the thing is, I also want to be true to myself. And... I want to express my feelings, but like, do I really want to s spend one hour every single week slamming on a show? I'd rather spend one hour every three weeks doing so. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Lower Decks season three, I think was pretty strong. A lot of fun episodes, but there was also a couple in there that were very thin to kind of podcast about. So I was very happy to have like an Andor episode to talk about for those weeks as well. So, Kim, why don't we jump over to kind of like a, an overall review of 2022? You know, um, look, we've got our list of episodes that we've done throughout the year. Maybe we go month to month here. Um, uh, highlights, lowlights, but uh, we had a lot of fun with this January episode, uh, number uh, 381, the evolution of the Star Trek ensemble cast, just seeing how they evolved over the years. You know, like you start off with like Kirk and Spock. Those are the only two credited players in the first season of Star Trek. And then you look at, you know, uh, a series such as, well, I, I don't know, let's be honest, like uh, going into uh, Strange New Worlds, we had like just a, a plethora of different characters. And so it's just got, kind of fun to see how this evolves. Are there, are there any highlights, lowlights from you um, in uh, January of this year? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm glad you brought up that evolution one just to see the way that like, a show like original series could be quite unfair to kind of the supporting players and the way that you got so much growth from that when you get to DS9 and beyond. But I mean, we also had the launch of um, Prodigy, right? With Kobayashi. Uh, that was a fun episode. Yeah. For those that might not recall, like we get, we get the reappearance, you know, folks like Odo and uh, Spock. And it's just kind of like, you're doing it with like kind of old school audio, but like, it's fan service, but it's like it doesn't feel like like cheesy and it doesn't feel cheap, you know? And like just I, I don't know that my expectations of Prodigy were like ultra, ultra high, but just like watching those first two episodes, I was just blown away by the visual style of the show. Um, I love the music for the show and just like the kind of the swashbuckling energy it had, it really made me very confident that this could be a show that could be a really engaging very quickly it did not feel like it was bumpy coming out of the gate all right um going into february uh i guess the highlight uh for me came with episode um 386 in which we talked about the three different eras of picard 
Yep. Of course, you know, the TNG era, the movie era, and now this new, you know, I don't know, Kurtzman era. Uh, this is just leading into the season uh, premiere of season two, which would come the next month. But the other thing in episode 386 is uh, I went to Fan Expo here in Vancouver, got to see Shatner on stage once again. And Cam, I, I wish I it was like I could say that it was the worst Shatner appearance I've seen in 2022. But I would be spoiling what happens when we got into Las Vegas in August of this year. Um, it, 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 Shatner is always hit or miss, and when he is on fire, he is on fire. Um, he was he was as damp as a cardboard box sitting at the bottom <laughs> of a lake, or that box he's sitting in um, at the start of the Captain's documentary. <laughs> Cam, how did I know that reference? How did I already know the reference you're making? That's me. Okay, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I feel like like that was a really fun episode, but it, I noticed when I you know see it laid out, like it's sandwiched right in that period where Discovery season four began to lose us. It's right around that like all in, which was the you know the gambling episode, and it was a real sense of like okay, like we really liked the premiere of um of um discovery season four we thought that had a lot of promise but it this is the moment right here where suddenly the switch slowly began to get flipped and we went "Uh oh yeah uh speaking of which like we weren't on "Uh oh mode just yet when it came to march and we were watching the first two episodes of picard season two uh the stargazer and penance yeah you know in then by the time we get into the third episode, uh, Assimilation, uh, we're in L.A. and we're stuck in L.A. for seven more hours. And it's just brutal. Um, I think Stargazer was a really or like just just strong way to kind of reboot your show after acknowledging maybe the flaws that came in, in season one. And then you kind of get this idea of what another Life of Picard could be if he loved Hitler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the penance episode that followed the Stargazer was actually a pretty successful kind of alternate timeline episode. And sometimes I remember when they were marketing that one, I was like, oh, like it's going to be kind of like that Kurtzman Mirror Universe Star Trek, which has worn a little thin on me over the uh, the years. But it was actually a really engaging story and i thought set up season two really well where i went okay this is going to be an interesting season didn't know where i was headed <laughs> cam i like i i it's not as if i'm giving season three the benefit of the doubt it's more like I, i'm just so curious about like just seeing all these beloved actors and characters on screen again mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see like yeah. expectations low which also, it also means that maybe easier for them to uh, blow away my expectations. Um, Cam, by the time we're in April, it, it's getting pretty dreadful. I think um, I was off the bandwagon by episode four of Picard. I think you were off the bandwagon by episode five. I think by then we both realized this show is just uh, garbage. But in the meantime, we did get to watch uh, in April uh, the director's edition. Uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture, which is 
absolutely fabulous to watch. Yep. Except for the fact, I'm going to ridicule you, Cam. You didn't actually watch it in 4K. <laughs> you accidentally watched it picture in picture on your phone, and your four, your phone is not 4K. And I, as you said, and I, I 100% believe you, you're like, well, it looks pretty good on my television. I'm like, yep. But it still was not 4K. And, um, uh, you know, Cam, any chance I get to ridicule you, I will not let go of that opportunity. Of course. And since then, I have bought the 4K box set that oh. was like $100. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> How did it look, Mr. Smith? How did it look? Unbelievable. Uh, yes. I haven't yes. yet watched the longer version, uh, which I think is like 10, 12 minutes longer or something like that. But uh, that'll be my project for the new year. Right now, I, as you know, Tyler, we are both uh, swamped catching up with 2022 movies. So uh, it's going to be more of a... Have you watched my Letterboxd account? In like, I'm just trying to like... <laughs> Just catch up on all these movies. I'm 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 halfway through RRR, right. the um, Indian movie that's on Netflix right now. And but the movie's like three hours long, so I, I'm making my way. But Cam, there's so much stuff uh, we need to catch up on. The other thing that makes me depressed about uh, this year in movies is like I look at the list of stuff I need to catch up on. I'm like, oh, there's not that much that has a lot of potential to that kind of really crack my top 10 list. This is looking like a pretty dire year in terms of my top 10 list for movies. Yeah, it doesn't feel like I have to catch up on a lot of like high bar stuff, whereas previous years it felt like, oh man, there are so many amazing things that we need to be seeing at the end of the year. I remember last year in particular was really swamped with stuff, whereas this year, eh, it's a little calmer for sure. Um, But once Mm. 2023 rolls in, I am going to be watching that longer edition of the motion picture, and I can't wait for it. Um, it's a beautiful box set, by the way. Oh, that's good to see. Good to see. Okay. Uh, can't we jump into May? Uh, we've got Strange New Worlds. It's yeah. on the air, and you know what? We, we're sucked in right away. Um, th- this is not me. This is just how you feel. But uh, it's just, and listeners, Cam sent me a text message after the premiere, and he's like, finally, a white male back in the captain's <laughs> chair. This is what I need for the longest time. Yeah, baby. Woo-woo. And I was just like, Cam, like, that's seriously, bro. That's not how I feel. But okay, if that you do you. Um, no, but seriously, it's just, let, let's be honest, folks. It, it's just like Anson Mount has like this gravitas. Mm-hmm. Um, he's perfect for the role. And then he's kind of flanked by very, like two very charismatic actors in, in which we have with Rebecca Romaine as well as Ethan Peck. But the show kind of blew us away. And like, we just kind of, assume it would be kind of this triumvirate we did not realize going to, it would be such an ensemble that it turned into and that that's that's what i love it like i love it when star trek surprises me and, and the show truly surprised me by turning into this really incredible ensemble um there are episodes maybe i think only like one absolute dud mm-hmm. and maybe one other episode i was like meh on yeah Otherwise, yeah. I mean, there are, like, I think, at least, like, three real standout episodes and a lot of stall- solid Star Trek stuff that you, you could easily throw into the canon. And it wouldn't feel out of place. You could, like, I, I just feel comfortable, like, giving a random episode to, like, somebody who's never watched Star Trek before and said, hey, try this out. See if you like it. I, I think it'll be easy for you to, you know, kind of decide if you want to move on going forward. Uh, yeah, this show, I think, would work for a lot of people. It's just like, how is it going to get those eyeballs on Paramount Plus, you know, if it's in the U.S. or, you know, Crave. I mean, Crave is a little more accessible here for people. A lot of people have Crave. But, yeah, I, I would like to see Strange New Worlds get even bigger than it is. I just remember, though, watching the premiere. I was 
nervous. And I think it was because I had just gone through Discovery Season 4. Picard was wrapping up the same night as uh, they were launching Strange New Worlds, <laughs> which was also coincidentally... Not 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 a good finale. Again, not a good finale. The opening of um, Doctor Strange. Oh, was it? Yeah. It was I the, didn't realize that. It was the night that Doctor Strange 2 opened, which was incredibly weird uh. because you had a huge night for Patrick Stewart and Ensign Mount. <laughs> um, That's right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So... I remember watching Strange New Worlds and really going in apprehensive because it was like, I don't want to watch a premiere where I just walk out going like, oh God, I've got 10 episodes of this show to cover now on the podcast and it's going to be brutal. And that was very much not the case. It was a very confident, strong finale. And I just was so happy for the next handful of weeks. Yes, we had a couple lesser episodes of the season. But I mean, like in terms of that early launch, those first five episodes of Strange New Worlds, it was just, it was a great time to be alive. It was, it was. Jump over to June, you know, we're, so here's the deal. You and I cannot stomach uh, week to week reviews of, you know, Discovery anymore. But we're doing week to week reviews of, you know, Spock Amok, which I, that to me is like, oh my God. Like, yeah. it's just such a fun episode of Star Trek, and it felt as if, like, we were missing that throughout all of Picard Season 2. Cam, what was the funnest episode of uh, Season 4 of Discovery? Was it when they, they went to the casino planet, and we were watching, like, uh, Awashikin getting, like, body slammed by, like, this, like, bodybuilder? Like I, like, I don't know. That would be the one I think they would point to as their most fun episode of the season. But, yeah. I mean, for me, like, just watching something like Spock Amok, it, it it's just it, it's all the elements of Star Trek that I adore. Um, that to me was the highlight of June. Um, although the fact is, one of the lowlights from uh, Strange New Worlds also came in June, which the Elise <laughs> that was the Elysian Kingdom, which that one just did not work yeah. for me. And it wasn't because it's like oh wacky dress time. It's like that episode was like fifty nine minutes long, and it felt like a hundred and fifty nine yep. minutes long. Yeah, that was a real dire episode of Star Trek. Like, even when I rank it against the rest of the Kurtzman output, including Discovery, Picard, the Elysian Kingdom is very low for me. Very, very low. Um, one episode, like, we, you know, we haven't mentioned, but I think was also something that was very encouraging about the future of the show, which is the Serene Squall yeah. episode, which introduced Captain Angel, a character who I think could be a lot of fun going forward. And also, we had Cybok popping back up for the first time since 1989. I think, okay, so from what I can gather, my best guess is not likely we'll see Cybok in Season 2. I think that was mostly meant to be kind of a one-off. I, I think there's a lot of consternation within the writer's room to whether like, whether or not they even acknowledge this character. I think just based on the reaction, like I think they got to bring him back some way in Season 3. I think so. And it's like, why wouldn't you? It's a character who was like inherently flawed right out of the gate. So you can actually do interesting things without bumping into canon or bumping into, you know, like hard and fast rules that you have to follow. You can kind of do whatever you want. Like, I think in some ways it would be more exciting to be writing, you know, cyborg stories than, I don't know, introducing like one of the classic TOS characters or something like someone that fans genuinely care a lot about. As long as his prison break episode includes him riding off on a unicorn, <laughs> then Cam, I am A-OK -okay with that. 
give me Cybok. Give me Dr. Corby. Give me those types of characters <laughs> yes. on Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Like, yeah, expand on them. Um, Kim, going in July, you know, we were wrapping up Strange New Worlds, a very, very strong season finale with, a, you know, kind of an alt-reality sort of glimpse with a quality of mercy. We get to see what mm-hmm. uh, Kirk might be. And I... I think our reaction was mixed, and I just wonder if we are kind of setting up this version of Kirk to fail as we go into season two. Um, that said, I mean, I, I think Quality of Mercy is a very, very strong season one finale, um, especially compared yep. with um, some of the other live action season finales we've gotten since uh, 2017. Yeah, I mean, I think this was like, I'm trying to think of like first season finales. Like, how many great ones are there in the first season? Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. You know, I I think Tears of the Prophets and Deep Space Nine was yep. solid. That's good. Um, I definitely know that. Um, uh, what was the episode in Voyager? Uh, with uh Tuvok running around with the learning curve. Crew members, learning curve was not. No. I I realized that even as a nine year old watching it, um, live on air, that it was, it was terrible. Shockwave. Oh, Shockwave. Shockwave is like a good episode, yeah. but it's so mired in the uh, temporal war stuff that it, it kind of loses you. Um, hmm. Um, Operation Annihilate is not great. Neutral Zone is not great. Lower Decks, uh, the season one finale was very strong. Was it a, a Small Mercy, I think? Yeah. Um. Oh, boy. Don't ask me to remember. Oh, no. Uh, Small Parts or something like that? Or no small parts, no small yeah, parts. Yeah, that one's up there for sure. Um, yeah, I think you only really have like three contenders. Like, uh, you know, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I, I think I said, did I say Tears of the Prophets or hand, in the hands of the prophets? It's okay. You said I think Tears of the Prophets, but it, it's yeah, yeah, it's in the hands of the prophets. Yeah, yeah. It, it's in the hands of the prophets. I, so I think you got the Deep Space Nine, you got the uh, Strange New Worlds, and I think you've got the Lower Decks ones. Um, Kim, you and I, we have yet to watch the season one finale. Uh, Prodigy, which might air sometime in 2025, we'll have to see, or maybe spoiler alert, people will be covering it when we return in 2023, first episode of that year. Um, the other thing I'll just point out in July, um, I, very fun up. Uh, I think we actually had a really strong like month there. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite episodes to do every single year, Cam, is the current state of Star Trek. We usually do that in June, but we're just inundated with Star Trek uh, Strange New World stuff that we push that off to July. We can't, our, our conversation went on for um, uh, almost 90 minutes, and then we followed it up yeah. the next week with, uh, we're talking about the best and worst of New Trek, Kurtzman era sort of stuff. We had a really good conversation. We just we didn't want to just crap on the new shows. We're talking about like what's working and what's not working, and we, we went on for another, like, close to 90 minutes there as well so i mean july was a conversation about like best and worst of new trek it actually extended into uh the next week like that's how much we have to say about it and people don't know this but it was actually supposed to be a third week as well but we decided to hold off on that topic for a little bit later down the road so we didn't <laughs> bombard you too much with kurtzman trek yeah um i don't know cam it, it's kind of easy to say this but uh going to august and we're like, yeah, the Traveler, baby. Let's get in the mythology <laughs> of the Traveler. Like that was that not a highlight? Um, can like we joke, but like, can we actually talked almost an hour straight? 
How about yeah. the Traveler? I love doing that Traveler stuff. Yeah, I mean, the Corey Sung stuff. It was actually fun. Yeah, it was all Corey Sung at the end of Picard Season 2, one of the most head-scratching moments in Star Trek history, but it inspired a deep dive into an element of TNG canon that was a lot of fun to talk about. I actually really like going back and watching those kind of like collection of episodes about a character or theme. Although you do recall when we were at the Star Trek convention that same month uh, in Las Vegas, uh, we had, uh, why am I blanking on the actress's name? Um, Isa Brionis. She was on stage and she kept referring to her uh, character that season as Corey, Corey. And I'm like, (laughs) no, one single person on screen ever referred to her as Corey. She was Corey the entire time. It was just very awkward. Um, somebody, the actress playing her, calling her Corey soon. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, uh, so, uh, uh, and listeners don't know this, but you refer to yourself as Cameron. That's right. Cameron. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go there. That's right. And we did actually one of our other classic kind of episodes that month as well with our journey of Janeway, looking at kind of the, uh, the psychological and character journey of Janeway over the course of Voyager and into, you know, shows like Prodigy. And also, I think we talked a little bit about her appearance at Nemesis. Eh. Um, these are always fun to do. Yeah. Um, jumping in September. Uh, so, like, the Star Trek convention was in late August. And we had the absolute joy of, of not only being reunited with our friends from all over the world back at the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas... Um, we also got to sit in a room, in a hotel room, with like 10 other people and watch the season three premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks. And it was a hoot, just laughing with people. I, I don't think I'd watched like an episode of Lower Decks with like a group of people for it. It was just so much fun. And Cam, just being at a Star Trek convention again and being able to recap it on a podcast. I mean, it's just, it, it made me feel as if the world was normal again. Despite the fact that um, I was convinced I'd um, get COVID and I'd end up in the ICU, um, the the hilarious thing that we've recounted before, though, is that you and I showed up the hotel, and you and I were clearly the only people walking around in masks. Yep. And we we we, we like we looked we had like um, saucer plates for eyes, and we're like everyone's gonna die here. And you and I were pretty diligent about wearing masks the first couple of days and going up and down the elevators. And then at a certain point, we were like, oh, F it, oh, YOLO. Like, and we just got in with the crowd um, and we didn't get COVID, which I think we learned all the wrong lessons from that. But it was just like, what a fun experience in that. I, I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is like, it was weird to feel normal again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was great, though. And yeah, I mean, I remember the paranoia. And, like, I did a photo op with Walter Koenig, and then, like, a day or two later, Koenig announced he had COVID, and I was like, well, that's a little concerning. Okay, okay. And that happened a couple times to me in Vegas, but I made it out, and then it wasn't until I got home. Well, you, you gave... You gave him COVID. <laughs> uh, listeners, yeah. I just... I just I, I can confirm it. Cam gave Koenig, uh, Koenig uh, COVID. Well, uh, yes, for me, symptoms didn't show up until a month and a half later. It's like somehow I braved Las Vegas, the city that never sleeps with no problems. But once I got home and went back to work, boom, done. (laughs) That was my COVID time. Yeah. And then for listeners, I I think we've recounted this on the show before, but just in case, like um, we were in Vegas uh, (laughs) for the longest period of time I've ever been in Las Vegas before. 
Um, we always found stuff to do. We were, and listeners might just kind of be like gobsmacked, but like I'll admit it, we were there for eleven days straight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just just thing after thing, including like we, we uh, like a dear friend uh, was getting married. Um, you know, friend of the podcast Scott uh, Hardy was getting married, and that was just like a delightful experience doing that. Uh, it was hilarious. Uh, you, Scott, and I were in an Uber. And the driver's like, "What kind of shenanigans are you guys gonna get up tonight before uh, the the wedding?" And we're like, "Oh, we're gonna go visit like a a, a James Bond themed bar for like one drink at like four o'clock in the afternoon." Um, we are we are not uh, debaucherous men, yeah. But uh, it, it was so much fun uh, having that experience to be there with like a a close close friend. We also you and I. We got to go like uh, do a road trip from uh, Vegas to Los Angeles before, which I've never done in my life. And that was you and I got to uh, go to like Universal Studios, and we we went to Quentin Tarantino's uh, New Beverly Cinema, and we we actually got to like just coincidentally like once upon a time in Hollywood was screening, and there were people dressed up as the characters. Like Cam, that that was a pretty fun what like 14 15 days that uh you and i had to endure sleeping in um a a room together uh, over that period no it's true it was a great time it was an exhausting time but it was definitely one that when we came back there was a ton of stories and memories um very eventful trip like it was like every day something was happening which is always my favorite type of vacation how did we not get covid that's what i don't understand i don't know like i i just I just I'm, I'm bitter because I, I, I got COVID um, last Christmas and I, I, was, I was bummed out about that. Uh, you got COVID recently. And I was just like, how do we not get COVID in like, you know, Vegas slash L.A., whereas like it, it, it seems as if Vancouver is a much safer place to avoid. I don't know. It's it, it just, you know, coincidental. But I don't know. It's it something you, you can tell I'm still a little bit bitter about. <laughs> I mean, I think in the, uh, you know, though, if you were to look at it, it's probably for the better. I don't think you wanted to get COVID when you were there. Oh, believe me. I, I, I did not want to get COVID yeah. while I was in the United States. Believe me. I just I don't know how I escaped without getting it. I think you and I both went down just assuming like, um, yeah, one of us will get COVID. Right. Yeah. I also like was like, well, hopefully I have very mild symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it turned out when I actually did get it, I, I was pretty sick. I thank God I didn't have it down there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Isn't that so sucky though? It's just like it can like vary so much between people. Like I, I mean, I got it last Christmas, and it just felt like I had like ten days of like this, like a of a mild hangover. Yeah. And which is fine i could deal with it like I, it wasn't fun whereas you get it and it's just like it's just kind of like kind of a drop kick to the nose or something yeah yeah the nausea was the worst part for sure yeah uh cam let's jump over to uh october and we're in the the throes of lower decks and it, it's turned out to be i think we both agree the most consistent season of lower decks that we've seen perhaps not so many of the highs we got in seasons one and two, but definitely not any of the low the lows, unless you're a uh, hater of uh, Peanut Hamper, <laughs> which I was not a fan of that episode. I think you were a bigger fan of um, that one. Just did not work for me. But um, Cam, 
Explain yourself. <laughs> I just had a mean spiritedness that I kind of enjoyed that episode. It was very snarky. Uh, I don't know. It's one I will find completely painless to go back and rewatch. That's for sure. Uh, and when we covered that episode, actually, it was the same week that we talked about the um, Star Trek New York Comic Con, um, you know, appearance where they unveiled a lot of stuff. But chiefly, we got the Picard season three stuff with the you know returning cast, but also like Moriarty coming back onto Star Trek. So it was definitely a big period as well for just promotions for upcoming Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, jumping over to November, this is actually a pretty fun month. Like, uh, we, we okay, so we were like, okay, let, let's try to squeeze in some of our regular kind of subspace episode sort of themes. And so we got to do the hilariously abandoned plots of the Kurtzman Trek era. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, that's four, two, three for anyone that wants to go back if, if they didn't already listen to that. And then also just talking in depth about an episode like uh, "Bada Bing, Bada Bang" and the journey of Vic Fontaine. Like I, I had a lot of fun. In the meantime, you and I had a, quite the delight. We weren't covering, you know, Star Trek Prodigy week to week, and it's not as if we we thought it was like a bad show in, in the way that like I think we legit thought that like Discovery season four is bad. It was just kind of like okay. How much can we actually go in depth over like a 20 minute episode? And that's why we're kind of bunching up like, um, you know, like, let's do two a week, you know, and then every other week we switch things up. And we had some very cool things like Okona coming back onto Star Trek, the character you never thought would ever reappear in the franchise. And then also we got a lot more stuff with Janeway on the show. Um, uh, Admiral Janeway, I should say. And um, the, the show is like, I think really clicking. Like, there are growing pains for a lot of Star Trek shows. That has not been the case with Prodigy. It has just been very confident out of the gate. So, Cam, as we jump into December, I, I was very skeptical. You were the one that was kind of uh, pushing for this episode. You've been doing it for a couple months. Uh, <laughs> as, as you know, Cam, I don't know if the listeners know, but I'm kind of the one... I've got the Star Trek master calendar. I've got like the list of all of our episode ideas. You guys could not believe some of the terrible episode ideas we have. <laughs> uh, I'll go back to this one and again and again. And that we've never been able to kind of like figure it out. But like it was like Nazis in Star Trek. Oh, yeah. And we're like, this one's just way too problematic. We, we, we can't really touch it because it's almost like kind of romanticizing Nazis. And it's just we were like, no, nah. like space Nazi is not going to work. Um, so many abandoned uh, Star Trek subspace episodes in my master list uh, on the calendar here. But Cam, you finally convinced me <laughs> the best original Star Trek movie character. I was a little skeptical. Cam, that was such a fun episode. Mm -hmm. That was an incredibly fun episode as we we're kind of debating what Star Trek uh, original uh, movie character was better than the others. We did it in brackets. Uh just listeners, look at look at the runtime for that. We went on for like close to ninety minutes yeah. talking about this, and I don't know. Like, uh, so I I should trust your judgment more often. You know me; I, it's mostly Tyler. <laughs> Tyler thinks his opinion is the only opinion that matters. Um, so I appreciate you uh, pushing that one forward because it was it was such a fun episode to do in uh, just this past month. Well, when you look at December, it was very much kind of like Cam month because we had that one, which I pushed pretty hard and then also the ultimate computer an episode of tos that i love unabashedly but it's not one that like a lot of fans are like when are you doing your ultimate computer episode <laughs> <laughs> no 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 but um i don't know i, I just think we closed off the year really strong and we had 
look, uh, look. If you don't like, you know, Discovery. If you don't like Picard, like it doesn't matter. Like, there's just an abundance of Star Trek that we've got going this year, and it's just one of the most amazing years of Star Trek, 2022. One of those amazing years of Star Trek that we've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. I can't, we had this episode a couple years ago. I think we were trying to determine what was the best year of Star Trek. What did did, did we ultimately land on? Like something like. I don't know, was it like 98 or 99 or something like that? Or, or was it even earlier? Was it 96 with the year of um, First Contact and then whatever was going on on DS9? Plus Voyager was also airing at that time. I think, yeah. yeah. So, you know, so we're talking like almost like 20 or more than 25 years since we've had such a year of just all this diversity within like the Star Trek franchise, which is just an amazing thing to think about. But I also think about this. the business model for the streaming services has fundamentally changed in just the past few months and there's been so much shakeup within the industry and there's a lot of these media companies that are like okay we're willing to lose money for x number of years by building up these content libraries in order to attract subscribers and then this past year when Netflix reveals that they're losing subscribers. All these other media companies with their own streaming services, whether it's Peacock or Paramount Plus or Jigamo Mumimash Plus or you know whatever they're calling them, <laughs> it, it, it's like, oh gosh, we can't afford that either. I just don't know if, like, I think we're solid for 2023. Mm-hmm. I'm a little fearful about what 2024 will bring us. I, I I'll put this out there. I we we've discussed it before. I I, just, I don't know if we're getting like a season six of Discovery. It seems all but conf- you know, well they pretty much confirmed that you know season three of Picard is done. So I I I feel very confident we'll get Strange New Worlds season three in 2024. Same with uh. Uh, lower decks and uh same with um prodigy i just don't know what other star trek convent uh content might be coming down the pike i i do not see section 31 uh i just don't see it happening at this point yeah like i don't know that i see new live action shows to replace picard and discovery like, I can totally see them just continuing on with Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks and Prodigy airing five episodes at a time with <laughs> year-and-a-half-long breaks in between, <laughs> no doubt. Um, but it seems to me unlikely that we're going to have the blitz that we had this year, where it's just, like, five different Star Trek shows going on in a year. It seems very costly, and I don't know that the return on the investment is really worth it to them at this point or even if it is enough of a profit like i can't emphasize this enough i think when we look back upon the franchise historically 2022 is going to look like such an anomaly it really is and i i'm I'm, or 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 is it i i okay i I guess okay um a spoiler alert like next year Early next year, I, I guess the first episode that we come back, we will be discussing about what to look ahead for with 2023. I think we're pretty solid. Like we know what we'll be getting: Picard, Discovery, and uh, Strange New Worlds, uh, Lower Decks, 
uh, Prodigy probably as well. But in 2024, I think that's when things start to look very iffy because there's been no commitments beyond that. And and so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold um, in you know 2022 2023 versus what comes after this yeah because you know there's been all these rumors about star trek movies in development but in terms of like star trek tv shows it's been pretty quiet there's the starfleet academy and section 31 but those are like shows that we just hear mentioned there's been no talk about casting them there's been no real talk about them being actively actively moving so you would think that that would probably happen relatively soon if they wanted to have one of them on the air to take over once Picard ends after season three, but doesn't seem like it. Well, okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Camp, let, let, let's leave this discussion mm. uh, until the next time we record, because I think there's a lot to get into. And Cam, <laughs> to close out the year, we still have a lot to get into. Yes. Uh, talking about our, our best of. Uh, our clips, it's mostly stuff that like kind of we laugh at, makes up kind of feel like doofuses. But, um, I, you know, we try to go thematically to a certain degree, but we've got so much stuff to cover. Um, mm-hmm. I think for the most part, why don't we just cover it chronologically? Um, I guess what we'll go back to is almost exactly one year ago today that you're listening to it, listener, uh, when we were doing our uh, best of 2021. And, uh, Cam, we, we had a lot of fun talking about uh, rebooting Star Trek potentially with uh, some familiar faces. I, I can just picture the swelling music that they would have with a trailer that would go on and just have, like, Worf, like, walking into some sort of Klingon Great Hall and then jumping aboard a ship. Like, like they could really market that very easily in a way. And we, we've discussed before, like, how... You know, like a film like Star Trek Beyonds, like the marketing wasn't all that compelling. We thought it was a pretty solid Star Trek film, but we don't know how else you would market that to get people into the seats in theaters. Whereas I think it'd be so easy to market a war film. But if it can, is there other low-hanging fruit for like a 90 minutes, you know, two-hour Star Trek movie where we, you know, go the nostalgia route, bring back a, a highly marketable character? Like who do you think might also work? Well, I think the de-aged Shatner movie might work. Okay, but, um... yeah, we've talked about it over the last three weeks in a row. I'm totally with you 100%. <laughs> yeah, and I would like to set it in his cadet days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. That, that's the Starfleet Academy uh, spinoff that we'll be watching um, in just a few years. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, but, but, but his body is not, it's Shatner's like contemporary body, yeah. like 90-year-old Shatner's body, just his face has been de-aged, right? Well, I didn't say I wanted CG. I just want de-aging as in, like, maybe a, a wig or what have you. you know, oh, makeup. okay, okay. Yeah, yes. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, the wig. That's all we need. <laughs> I want the equivalent of the Steve Buscemi on 30 Rock, you know, hello, hello, young people. Yes. That okay. sort of thing. <laughs> well, that is one spinoff I would definitely watch. But I would be less interested, I think, in a Zora spinoff. Um, we had a little talk <laughs> in episode 380 about some of the more amped up emotions of discovery and how it related to uh you know our friendly computer on discovery i did like a shout out to uh you know scotty from relics and the uh 
the DS9 crew in Arman Bashir with them uh, escaping to the pattern buffers, except when everyone holds hands and says, I love you, and then they go into the pattern buffers, I'm just like, puke, puke. It's like, okay. the, 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 the writers <laughs> love their writing so much. The writers think so highly of how magical it all is, and it's just, it's not working, people. Okay, what made you want to puke more? That or at the end when Zora made the family tree with all the Discovery crew members on it. And Burnham's like, I love you all. I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> I guess the family tree. I guess the family tree, Cam. That made me yeah. just like, I mean, I, I understand what they're saying, but it's like, so in the other series, you, you think of the, the 1701 crew, the Enterprise D crew, like they create these makeshift families. I get it. But it's not as if they are literal children who express their feelings like children would, though. And like, Cam, you and I are, are very good friends, right? We, we've known each other yeah. <laughs> more than a decade. How often do we <laughs> tell each other we love each other? Like, At the end of every single um, Zencaster recording session. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Yeah, that's a bad example. Well, speaking of friendly computers, Cam, uh, we, we had a fun discussion about the episode Message in a Bottle. And uh, yeah, a, a very doctor-centric episode, but uh, here are some of our thoughts on this one. Who knows how long that would have taken, the questions they would have happened. I think that's why they kind of excised all that, because the, the moment that really matters is the doctor passing the quote-unquote message back to the uh, ship once more. Th that's what really matters, even though as fans, I, I think we we kind of would have missed all, that, that moment that would have been a lot more dependent on exposition more than anything else. Totally. I mean, I think it's a very difficult thing to get across of him meeting Federation and, and explaining things in a way that's satisfying in like a couple minutes. Because he's when he comes back, he says, I told them everything. And I'm like, like, what, really? <laughs> like, that's a lot that's happened in the last three plus well, seasons. <laughs> he started with the Beowulf episode. <laughs> he's like, let me tell you about this uh, young woman named Kess we met. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like she was the greatest gift of all. <laughs> and guess what, guys? There was this Vidian uh, woman that uh, I got to test out my uh, new uh, sexual relations subroutine on. You know, I got my first girlfriend that way, too. <laughs> There's this clown. He was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, this one time, uh, the, the security chief and I, we had to rise. And so we got on a lift. <laughs> Tom Paris was once accused of murder over a woman that he was having a torrid affair with. Uh, we could go on. We could, we could. We could go on with the crappiest Voyager adventures ever. I think what they said is they found remnants of like the doctor's like uh, hardware, or it was some Voyager hardware that was backing up the doctor's program like it was kind of like the, the failsafe as you called it it wasn't kind of the prime program but the failsafe and that's how that episode came to be i think was living witness a season three episode and i wonder if that kind of explains why that piece of hardware was no longer on the ship anymore that's quite possible yeah it does feel like 
you could have done a whole episode built around that. I mean, maybe they weren't hurting. Yes, they were hurting for episodes. If we've got the lift or whatever it was, the one with <laughs> Tuvok and rise. Felix on the elevator, Rise. Like, I always call it the yeah. lift. Um, yeah, if we have are, Rise. Are you British? <laughs> that's what it's called in Britain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they changed the name. <laughs> so yeah, in the UK, do they call them turbo elevators then? <laughs> Possibly, yes. <laughs> It's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I really like doing on this show, because we've been so bombarded with new Trek, is going back to the old. We talked about the Doctor, you know, in Message in a Bottle, but we also took a look back at Star Trek Four and one of your favorite elements of that film. But, like, that's not, honestly, I don't think what the audience cares about. It's just the Enterprise on Earth dealing with, like, the whales or, you know, in First Contact, going back in time and having to, you know, help Cochrane launch the first mission. I think it's those individual, small, you know, dramatic stories that the audience cares about. I don't think they walk out being like, man, I loved when the Borg were going to invade Earth, or I loved when, you know, the probe was going to knock out, I don't know, everything in its path. Uh, I think people are mostly just fascinated by the uh, the big suction cups at Starfleet headquarters that we saw in uh, Star Trek IV, and the whale probe started, uh, you know, making storms in San Francisco. Well, that was very much us. That's what yeah. we wanted. I mean, yeah. if you had the money and they put those suction cup things up for auction, <laughs> would you be tempted to buy it? Okay. Like, I... where else could I put this money, though? <laughs> I mean, you just have a lot of money. Could I give it to starving? Ch could I give it to starving children in Africa instead of like buying suction cups that will have like absolutely <laughs> no use to me? You've won the lottery. You're okay. okay for money. You've already made a lot of charitable contributions. You've got a lot of side money, and they put these up for auction. Are like, you tempted to buy I, them immediately? Like, I know what you're saying, but then I keep thinking about, like, where the F am I going to put these things, and what am I going to do with them? And, like, people will come into my mansion and be like, what are those things? And I'd have to explain every single time. Like, it's just, I'd got a lot of weird looks. Like, I, I know what you're saying. I think I'd ultimately have to pass. Despite the hilarious joke. <laughs> if you were to buy them, would you keep them in like a display case or would they be like propping up a window? <laughs> They'd have to be propping up a window because they're so yeah, stupid. Okay. Like people, yeah, people, just if you don't know what we're talking about, go look at Star Trek 4. And um, the, when Starfleet headquarters is, is trying to deal with the pounding rain, there's two Starfleet officers that come in with giant suction cups that they put against the window and the floor to keep the windows from collapsing. And it's, it's, it's so bizarre. It's, it's in the background. You have to keep your eyes open for it. Cam, I will never deny the power of the suction cup. <laughs> no, neither will they. They're holding up their windows. <laughs> Do you know what else has power? Mm. Uh, Q. And also Picard's love life. Speaking of his mother, though, I am wondering if he the 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 implication is he has problems with long term romances because of mommy issues. You know, Guiden points to his heart and says, "What happened to you?" And then he's thinking about his mother again. And I'm just like, "Oh, this is kind of weird. It's, it's a bit of a stretch." And the other thing that kind of irked me, and I you know, I guess I just have to get over it now, though, is that Picard is like, "Well, I've had deep love before." Guinan says, well, "Yeah, but there was always kind of temporary." in these very temporary situations. And then I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, I can no longer really headcanon it at this point. I don't think there was ever a Picard and Beverly marriage. There's no Beverly uh, Picard 
as yeah. uh, we saw in All Good Things, which is kind of a disappointment. I, I'd love it in you know, maybe in an episode, uh, you know, uh, later on, we, we see a Captain Picard, a.k.a. Uh, Beverly. Like, that would be fun, you know, kind of a throw uh, a shout out to All Good Things. But um, I don't know, I, I just, I, I, I hope the um, the love thing isn't going to be kind of the spine of the season. It's more something that they can address to help flesh out his character. It would be interesting to have, I don't think this will be the case, but it would be interesting to have like, um, you know, an episode or something of Picard doing like a high fidelity um, and going around and talking to the women he had relationships with in the Lists. past. and <laughs> What his limitations Top 10 were. first contacts. <laughs> we can have Jack Black brought in for, you know, special guest star. But Walking I would... on sunshine. <laughs> I would People totally... watch High Fidelity. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> it is. Fantastic movie. I would actually just genuinely love an episode of Picard sitting down with, you know, Neela Darren and maybe Beverly Crusher and just talking about how their relationship fizzled out. Like, I know that that's not what people are signing up to Paramount Plus for, but I would love it. Anish can make another comeback. Yes, um, I would love you know, that. Famke Jansen as well. Vash, oh. you know, I Cam. I, this must be the anthology series that. Th- th- no, this is season three of Picard. We, we, we'll deal with all of this, and season three is all about him uh, meeting up with his uh, uh, previous hookups. Maybe they'll let us write like a six-episode short trek series where we can just do like ten or fifteen-minute conversations with each of these characters. <laughs> I would, this is far more intriguing than anything we got in season one. I'm just being honest. So one element of Picard season two that came into play that I think had us a little confounded was the return of the supervisors as seen in Assignment Earth back in t- season two of TOS. We had a little talk about kind of the convoluted mythology of these characters. It's, just, it's, it's not quality television uh, at all, but they're trying to wedge this aesthetic and this sort of writing into the Star Trek universe, and I'm just like, it does not work for the Star Trek universe. No, it really doesn't. And I had another question for you about the, um, you know, Talin, the supervisor, who is there to, you know, look over um, Rene Picard. Who is Gary Seven looking after? Uh, Terry Gar. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. The name it sounds like, like Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Picard. <laughs> Terry Picard. <laughs> It seems like this weird, like, retcon of, like, they exist to look after us. But it's like, is half the population supervisors looking yeah. after each individual? Is it only special people? What defines who's special? Oh, exactly. I just have I have so many questions about what supervisors actually do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think they've done anything particularly interesting uh, with Talon. Unless, are we to believe, I don't know, and I really hope this is not the case, but are... Lars and Talon, in fact, the same individuals in that Talon, hundreds of years from now, eventually just adopts the name. Laris gets some pointy ears, joins the Jatvash, and she's now tasked with watching over Picard after her assumed husband croaked somehow. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's where they're going, but it's very bizarre that they look identical and uh, Picard just doesn't really want to uh, comment on that too much. Speaking in the supervisors, uh, we have more opinions on that. And I, I think Talon, I, my guess is Talon and Lars are the same. And yeah. it's just, but it's such a reach. Like, where, where you took this Romulan helper who just <laughs> popped, she and her husband just popped on screen in those first three episodes. We're all begging for them to come back. 
And it's so clear that they're just giving, like, th this character, like, some sort of weird storyline just to kind of arbitrarily include her. I have enjoyed her presence on the show, but it's just, it's so nonsensical what they're trying to do. And this kind of, um, I, I guess, grandiose sort of backstory that they appear to present her with? I don't know. Just, I, I just don't know what they're, they're thinking in the writer's room here. If they set this up, that she is a guardian looking after Picard the way she did uh, Renee. Um, I'm going to be uh, very curious where she was all of TNG and all of those movies when Picard was in mortal danger um, because she wasn't uh, really doing her job then. And so, yeah, and obviously she didn't care about, uh, you know, Renee or Robert because <laughs> that didn't go well. True. And also um, she didn't care when Picard literally died at the end of season one. Nope. I would actually be kind of in favor, though, of the people. This is a, not really, not really, but uh, of them going back and just CGing her into all these backgrounds in TNG. <laughs> <laughs> like peeking around corners and stuff like that, watching Picard. That'd be hilarious. Okay. You see her in like uh, his fishbowl, like her uh, her head just kind of pops up briefly and sinks back down underneath the uh, the sand. It would be like that George Clooney Descendants gif of him peeking over the hedge. Yeah, I would be totally in favor of her doing that. Um, there's got to be some amazing moments that she could be watching him. Even if, like, <laughs> when he's Locutus, she's, like, on the board cube, like, dressed up, like, peeking around corners. <laughs> he's playing uh, his flute with uh, Commander Neela Dar uh, Darren when uh, they're in the uh, Jeffrey's tubes uh, having a duet uh, keyboard and flute and she's jealously like popping her head uh, upside down through the Jeffrey's tubes <laughs> and we had the moment too where she goes into Picard's mind and we get that audio clip of I am Locutus yeah but in my mind I'm like you are inside Picard's mind there are so many ways to work in like fun nods to the character's history it's like that's all I got <laughs> like Locutus that's all I got <laughs> I, I, it would have been great if they had a voice clip of, remember the episode Rascals, where uh, he turns into a boy again? You just have, like, this <laughs> high-pitched voice, uh, uh, boy's voice, and it's him going, Number one, I need you to take me seriously. <laughs> and while we're talking about ta uh, Talon, we were also talking about Orla Brady there, and uh, some of the interesting casting going on with her as a supervisor, but we came up with some other interesting casting that we would really love to see on Star Trek. <laughs> Okay, I have another... This was one thing they never answered, actually, other than Wells. Um, so why did Talon look like uh, uh, Laris? They're Romulans. They all look alike, Cam. <laughs> oh, boy. It's kind of like the Soongs. It's like maybe they're just all the same family, that Romulan family, yeah. and they just have nothing but children that look exactly like them. Patrick Stewart should have played Rene Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Would the season have been better for it? Yes. Oh <laughs> hell yes. You know, Patrick Stewart is going for it. They de they de age him a little. Yeah. You know, not too much, but a little. They put like a nice, like respectable wig on him. You know, and it works out. I, I could see that. He could also play his parents. We could have done like a yeah. you know nutty professor kind of thing, like Eddie Murphy did. <laughs> Patrick Stewart as uh, the nutty professor. Yeah. Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> So we've talked about the Elysian Kingdom now for a little bit on this episode of the podcast, but I had a uh, an inkling that uh, someone may have written this episode purely out of love. 
Uh, I don't, I don't, Cam, this one just even from the, uh, the the acting choices to the lack of laughs to just kind of the uh, uh, directing. This one was, I, I think, the first all-out bad episode of Strange New Worlds. No, I, I, I don't think it is. It is. This is just a bad episode of Star Trek. Period. You got to admit, the art direction was pretty good, though. Yeah, props to them. Props to them for uh, some nice costuming. And yeah, it really, <laughs> really emulated one of my other favorite Star Trek episodes, uh, uh, Masks. But instead of Medieval Kingdom, uh, you, you know, Masks yeah. was all about that Mayan temple right there. So from TNG. I had a note probably about 20 minutes into this episode. So before like the real serious father-daughter stuff kicked in, I made a note. They finally got Tyler's spec script. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I've been. Yeah, this is what you've been on my entire life. Feverishly for decades upon decades, they finally got your story. It was certainly one fan's, <laughs> uh, you know, fan script right here. <laughs> like seriously, Cam, think about love, and think about the love that Captain Kirk has for the crew that we knew in the original series. I don't know if that was quite shared with the uh, folks he's met on Strange New Worlds. That is not something I thought would be the case when this show, you know, before it had launched. I thought it would be much more focused on, oh man, Uhura, Spock, all these classic characters. I'm really happy that when we got to the end here, new characters like La'an, I was really interested to see what they were up to. And also, I was just psyched to see Ortega's doing more in an episode. Okay, but I, I'm, I, I don't want a slow transition. I want the series finale of Strange New Worlds to have Kirk coming aboard the ship saying, Ortegas, mm. you're fired. La'on, you're fired. Uh, Mabenga, <laughs> um, you're getting demoted. I have a new uh, chief medical officer. Uh, you know what, uh, Mitchell? Um, I already have a friend named Mitchell. You're fired. Uh, okay, Uhura, you can stick around. Um, chief Engineer Rando, you're fired. I got a Scotty here. You know, and just like, just like It's going to be just a total bloodbath, you know, this, this series finale of Strange New Worlds, right? Kirk, not a happy guy when he joined the Enterprise. (laughs) Una, you're still in detention and you're staying there and I'm never going out of my way to bring you back. Sorry. (laughs) Well, speaking of Star Trek icons, let's jump over to Picard Season 2, Episode 1, an episode we were very high on and I thought perhaps should have marked the end of the series. Cam, there's no doubt going to be some sort of mystery element that uh, I'm not going to find very compelling. That's just what they do with the live action series, except for, say, Strange New Worlds. Uh, but I don't know. I can still enjoy, you know, the Stargazer for what it is. Yeah, it's a episode I would happily go back to and just stop after that episode. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the finale of uh, Picard. It just, yes, it's Q slapping Picard in the face and that's it. That's right. That's my that's my series finale right there. <laughs> and and so the trial for humanity ends, mon capitan. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> and then the curb your enthusiasm music. <laughs> yes. Cam, what the thrill is going on? You know, and they did have some Star Trek music in the hallways, which helped. But like, when you went into the main hall. It was the logo, we are one, one are we, on the wall, and the letter T being plastered everywhere, and view screens... In honor of me. (laughs) Obviously. And, you know, the backdrops for the stage was big, you know, CG renderings of vague sci-fi things. Not Star Trek, but vague sci-fi. And a lot of the 
you know, the <laughs> four days was built around the mythology of the Threll. <laughs> yeah. Which... yeah, listeners, the intergalactic Threll Empire that we all know from pop culture. Now, do you want to explain what the Threll are, Tyler? <laughs> you're, you're asking me to? <laughs> So I think what happened is if Christian wanted to stay out of legal trouble, and this is supposition on my part, they had to center, officially center this convention around something not related to Star Trek. And I think Creation Entertainment has created this fictional alien species known as the Threll, and they centered a lot of the decor and accoutrement around this fictional Threll empire, and it all culminated... On Sunday afternoon, in which you had ten selected fans come out in red jumpsuits and sunglasses and stand on stage and had their names called out by um, Adam Malin, the co-CEO of uh, Creation Entertainment. And he was reading, like, a fictional, like, kind of, like, narrative. It was that... almost, almost like a newscast, almost like a War of the Worlds kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was essentially like he was explaining the exposition, like the Threll landed on Earth a hundred thousand years ago. And listeners, if you're lost, so am I. Yeah. And they're benevolent, and they've returned to Earth, and they've selected uh, these ten people in jumpsuits to teleport up to their ship. And Max Grodencheck, he's the eleventh person, and he comes out in a, a torn up jumpsuit and reveals that the Threll are actually eating humans. And so Adam Halen says. Find out what happens next year, like, to see what happens to people. So the we are one, one are we motto that kind of defines the Threll, it's now going to be a rallying resistance cry that all humans will use against the Threll starting next year at the 57th uh, uh, anniversary convention, or 57th year mission, as they're going to be calling it. Is this cultural appropriation against the Threll? Well, somebody's pointing out it was actually kind of... Uh, yeah, okay. But uh, it's also kind of like this big ripoff of like a Twilight Zone episode yes. as well. And I was like, okay. There was one person in the face, one of the Facebook groups who was on stage, and she was like, believe me, as somebody who was up on stage, I didn't know what was going on either. Like, I had no idea what this was meant to be. This was one of the highlights of the entire it convention. Was. because we, we, we were just looking at each other the whole time, ridiculing what was unfolding on stage. There was a lot of confusion in the auditorium. I still have no idea what the thrill is going on, but, you know, as you said, we tackled other franchises, and I think this was a very memorable moment from our Obi-Wan coverage. Yeah. And just one question. Wasn't Reva stabbed, like, through the stomach with a lightsaber last week? Yeah, but wasn't um, the Grand Inquisitor as well? At least that dude was off screen for more than a couple episodes. Yeah, but I think there was somebody else stabbed uh, in the stomach. Uh, Darth Maul? He was Again. sliced through the stomach, and he came years back. Years later, years later, he came back. I'm just saying, she was, like, back up on her feet, chasing down Luke in no time. Ming-Na Wen's character, uh, she was uh, shot in the stomach, and uh, she That's came true. back. I, I think stomachs are, uh, I don't know, they're, they're, it's like uh, more like flesh wounds for these Star Wars characters. Except if you're, except if you're Qui-Gon Jinn, <laughs> then, then they're fatal. <laughs> just, yeah, he could not take that stomach stabbing at all. Nope, um, nope. Yeah, memorable indeed, Cameron. <laughs> um, one thing that I always like to emphasize, we've got two back-to-back clips. We always do the sign-offs. And this is something that's kind of developed over the course of the uh, seven or eight years we've been doing this. Um, the intros have always been fun, you know, with uh, you know Tyler Orton. It originally started, for those that don't recall, 
I always would say Tyler Orton reporting for duty. And now it's always like some reference to whatever the discussion is. Um, we also do sign offs related to what we've discussed over the past hour. And Cam, here are some two back to back ones in which I sound like a complete idiot. And there's nothing I find funnier than me sounding like a complete idiot. <laughs> and you can find me at reportin. That's R E P P as in Pring, comma, T. Um, o R T O N. The best part of that is that there's actually a T in your handle that you could have used for yep. Tpring, but you yep. went the torturous route. I approve. Oh, I'm even dumber than you think. I said, comma, <laughs> it's actually an apostrophe. So. <laughs> Uh, you can find me at Reportin. That's R E P O O is in Ornarin. R T O N. Okay, so until <laughs> it took next me time. A minute to figure out how to <laughs> finish off the spelling. Of... There's so many O's in my name, though. I, there's like three <laughs> different O's I had to get through. So uh, whatever. <laughs> so Kim, it, it's been an amazingly fun year of Star Trek. Some ups and some downs. Uh, we got to go to a Star Trek convention again, which was absolutely amazing um but th there, there are two things i i, I want to throw your way it has been an, an absolutely just an amazing year for television uh it's been a pretty so-so year for film yeah and i bring this up because you and i've been covering both fe you know feature films as as well as tv shows on the podcast and we've kind of expanded that but i i'm i'm gonna put you on the spot i don't want your top 10 list but tell me a couple movies that you think would be guaranteed to be like at the top of your list this year. So RRR, which you mentioned earlier in the podcast, would be right near the top. I think that movie is just like a must-see if you enjoy like blockbuster action with like <laughs> big musical numbers. Basically a movie that can give you everything. Um, I would say that uh, that is a must-see. Um I would also uh, really recommend The Northman uh, with Alexander Skarsgård, which I thought was... I went into that one kind of like minimal expectations. I thought it would be good, but I didn't expect to be absolutely blown away by it. And actually, similar case for the movie Pearl with Mia Goth, which I really liked the first film in that series, X. Um, it was a very effective kind of riff on the Texas Chainsaw kind of formula. But Pearl, I was really blown away with, was sort of evoking the... 1950s Technicolor films and sort of this melodrama and a little bit of like Psycho in there. I think that's a must see as well. Yeah, uh, Pearl and The Northman, they're both totally 100% on my top 10 list. Um, I really like Tar, uh, mm -hmm. The Banshees of Inisherin, Top Gun Maverick, of course. Of course, uh, yeah. Barbarian. I have a coworker who hates my guts for recommending that movie. Um, <laughs> this man is insane. I don't care. Uh, so it's been. Uh, kind of a so-so year for cinema. The movies that I like, I, I mean, they're on the top of my list, but like, I, I just the further down I go on my list, it's like, oh yeah, these are a lot of like pretty cool movies. Like a lot of like, you know, like X, what you mentioned. I mean, that's number 15, you know? That, that's a solid movie. And just even the weird ones, like, you know, 3,000 Years of Longing, you know, that's a top 20 film movie, even though it's a little bit more uh, mixed response from general audiences. It's just, it's just kind of a, a like a kind of so-so weird year despite the fact that i really genuinely enjoyed x and three thousand years of longing and you know um everything everywhere all at once you know like yep not necessarily my top 10 
but just a lot of movies I really like. But I don't know. It, it was a weird year. So, Cam, this is where I'm going to try to put you on the spot and humiliate you. Uh, I want to hear your top five. <laughs> this has been an exceptional year of television. Yeah. Absolutely exceptional year of television. I want to hear your top five TV shows that you've watched. <laughs> Well, as uh, people probably know, I don't watch a lot of television, so um, <laughs> I've got basically from this se- from this year, I guess I've got, what, like, Strange New Worlds, uh, Lower Deck Season 3, there was a okay Survivor season? Oh, <laughs> dude. <guess>. Brutal. <laughs> the, the, no, it's yeah. been a bad Survivor season for listeners that don't watch Survivor. Yeah. Uh, you've got yeah. She-Hulk uh, on your list. Uh, That's true. Yeah. What's number yeah, five, I Cam? Do. I don't think I watched. I mean, well, actually, you Obi-Wan. know what? No, no, scrap all, scrap all that. Andor is like very high on the list as well. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. I would put Andor, Strange New Worlds at the top, um, and then there's various things that were entertaining enough to watch. So, Cam, uh, you know me. I I, I love humiliating you. Um, uh, Cam, this mm-hmm. has been just an exceptional year of television. I've got like a top twenty list. I people get bored, but I'll, I'll run through the top ten from one through ten. Just to give folks kind of a, an idea of where I'm at. Um, uh, number one, The Rehearsal with uh, Nathan Fielder. Uh, number two, Better Call Saul with Bob Odenkirk. Uh, number three, Apple TV Plus's Pachinko. Uh, number four, HBO's We Own This City starring John Barenthal. Number five, Andor, the aforementioned Andor. Number six, Barry starring Bill Hader. Uh, number seven, The Patient, starring Steve Carell. Just holy shit, that that movie is good, <laughs> or that TV show is good. Um, Atlanta, uh, Donald Glover as well. Um, number nine, Fleischman is in trouble with Jesse Eisenberg, and then number ten, Tokyo Vice, starring the problematic uh, Ansel Elgort. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I just don't watch TV much. I just really don't. So, uh, yeah, a- any given year, my TV is going to be pretty pathetic if you ask me what the best 10 shows of the year are or five in this case. I will be catching up with Better Call Saul, though, in the very early new year as well. Well, I, I bring that up in, like, um, it is a show, like, you're you're waiting for it to hit on Netflix. Um, that is a show that um, it sticks the landing much more so than I thought uh, Breaking Bad its predecessor did you know like i i can watch the breaking bad finale um i'm like okay like there are moments and this is a show that went off the air like 10 years ago so i'm not spoiling anything but just moments where like walter is telling you know uh, skyler you know i did it for me it's it's him actually having like some real genuine self-awareness like that's the moment that gets me but the rest of the show didn't quite land camp the final like half season of better call saul it's just on a whole other level, except for Osmandius, the uh, that was the third to last episode of Breaking Bad, which I think to this yeah. day is one of the greatest TV episodes that has ever aired, ever. You know, but Better Call Saul was so strong, totally stuck stuck the landing. Um, I was in awe of it. Um, I do want to mention this. Um, yeah, uh, Andor was, was like like it's it's on my number five, I think, or number six. Right, right. <sighs> And this in an exceptional year of television, but I, I will throw this out there. Uh, Strange New Worlds did make my top twenty list. I have it at number twelve. You know, uh, and and they just I'll run down everything very very quickly. But number uh, eleven was The Bear. Twelve Strange New Worlds. Thirteen What We Do in the Shadows. The White Lotus. Severance. The Righteous Gemstones. The Dropout. For All Mankind. Slow Horses. Blackbird, and at number 21, 
I don't care. I'll, I'll throw it out there. Pam and Tommy. It was trashy. Uh, it's problematic, but it's pretty interesting. Like it, it just, it was genuinely interesting kind of way that it tackled a, a very, very problematic story. So Lower Deck season three didn't quite crack it, huh? It didn't, and, and that's nothing against Lower Deck season three. It was just like it's just it's such an exceptional year of television that's been going on, like just out to wazoo. Where I, I'm not nearly as excited about my top twenty movies as I am about my top twenty television series, and, and that's kind of why I bring up. And like we're doing eight media podcasts in which we're talking about film, we're talking about television and what works and what doesn't. And I, I, I'll tell you, there's no media franchise in the world that I love more than Star Trek, you know. And I, I just wonder if, if TNG was airing this day in the year 2022, if Deep Space Nine was airing this year, 2022, I, I, I could see those shows both cracking, um, you know, the, the top 20, top 10 lists, you know, and um, and I'm talking about seasons one. Uh, I was going to uh, say TNG. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Uh, so I don't know. So th- that's where I am in, in terms of media consumption. I think it, it, I, I bring it up to listeners because you and I have spent more time discussing this uh, this past year than we ever have any other year on our podcast. Yeah, no, very true. Very true. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> you covered a lot of television this year. My God, I didn't even realize. It's it, it's easy to cover when it's so good, you know. Yeah. Like, um, I, I'll just I'll rec- I'll, I'll make a recommendation to you, Cam. Like stuff that I know you would like just eat up. Um, the Patient with Steve Carell, um, very good. I think the only fear is I'd recommend Barry, but it's like three seasons in, and that might be a little too daunting. So what I will throw out to you is We Own This City, which is the HBO miniseries with uh, starring John Barenthal. Right, yeah. It's uh from the same people behind The Wire. I'm begging you, Cam, you got to get to The Wire one of these days. But if you have a six-episode miniseries with the creators and it stars John Barenthal, I think you can eat that up pretty easily. I prayed that uh, like Picard and Discovery were going to be six episodes going into these new seasons yeah. after the last yeah. seasons. That was one yeah. thing that uh, 2022 really taught me was that some of these seasons are too long, even though we are now dealing with seasons a fraction of the length of the old Star Trek seasons. It's, Cam, that's insane. That's mm-hmm. just insane. And like just how stretched out like a lot of this stuff. Cam, I, I still am wrecking my brain about how like Picard season two even came to existence and like you and I discussed this, but like, I think we agreed like Picard season two is probably the worst season of Star Trek ever made. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, hmm. it, it's definitely the worst in terms of writing. I think I, in terms of enjoyment factor and being able to sit and watch it, those last two discoveries are, are tough to really I don't know. It's kind of like you have to decide between kind of the train wreck season or like the really, really boring season. Well, I, I thought Species 10C. Yeah. You know, the, the penultimate episode. I think that was actually the strongest episode of the season. Not bad. Just me personally. Yeah. 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 But for at least with Picard season two, I got like enjoyment out of the kind of the morbid curiosity of like, oh, how bad can this show get? Like how poorly written can it be? And at a certain point, I was just like, yeah, you know what? Let, let's have fun seeing what a complete, utter train wreck is. Like, I don't know what was going on in that writer's room. And, like, they thought that this, you've got this, 
you, you've got characters like Picard and Seven of Nine, uh, fan favorites like, you know, uh, R- R- Rios, and uh, you're bringing back Q, and he's reading freaking newspapers and spying <laughs> on, like, Picard's ancestor? Uh-huh. Like what? What? Like what is going on in their brains? And you got charismatic um, performers like you know Allison Pill, and I just like it. Just seems like how can you have all of these elements in front of you, and you screw it up in a way? I just like I told you, Cam. This is one of the most exceptional years of television I've, I've ever witnessed. And like the cards coming in with this, I don't yeah. know. I, I, like I feel embarrassed for them, although. You and I had a lot of fun podcasting about it, just like picking it apart, though. And one of the things I'm looking forward to in 2023, we will do a uh, season two Picard rewatch ahead of the season three premiere. I'm looking forward to rewatching those episodes and then going back and listening to our thoughts right. <laughs> episode to episode. Like, that's going to be a lot of fun for us. Yeah, that should be entertaining. Um, but I guess, you know what? Speaking about train wrecks. Let's listen to some bloopers. That's part of the tradition every year. <laughs> I um, call the moments from the episodes that are cut from the actual, uh, you know, broadcasted episodes, the ones you hear on your podcast feed. But we like to put them in at the end of the year in this bonus section. And I think this year lives up to the previous years. Hello and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest. Just like my chair's creaking. It's going to be a very, very busy season finale if we're dealing with the Mariner. Uh, 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 I think it's going to be a very, very season... <laughs> season finale. Season. <laughs> it's good. Okay. And it had a very classic Star Trekky kind of vibe where you had this introductory element of Lon not wanting to wear the badge because she had kind of... Car- uh, car- car- bleh, because she'd kind of... Um, cut mar- what's the word compartmentalized thank you you're welcome um yeah <laughs> it's like i'm stumbling over that one she didn't want to wear the badge because she had come what's another word for this what's another word <laughs> uh here why don't you say um she didn't want to wear the badge because mm. and then i'll jump in and i'll say compartmentalize okay yeah okay she didn't want to wear the badge because she didn't want to compartmentalize <laughs> <laughs> good lord oh boy um i i'll just come up with another way okay you know I'll, I'll, uh, a little peek behind the curtain for listeners you will be vacationing in uh, sunny l l sorry <laughs> <laughs> um that everything was just a little off but in a way i think like kids could find fun um i also thought it was like pretty genius um where was i going with this i had a really amazing point that i completely blanked on i guess who the genius is now oh i got it (laughs) that's for the bloopers for sure okay (laughs) i'm drawing a complete blank Spore driving off into the middle of the DMA. Here is Janine sure. Smith. Okay. And now, Spore driving in. What, what was it? <laughs> I said Spore driving off to the middle of the DMA. Okay. And now we are joined by a very special guest. Spore driving in. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
you want me to introduce her? <laughs> no. Spore driving off from the middle of the DMA, right? Nope. Uh, it's Spore driving off to the middle of the DMA. To That's the where we again. left uh, Book and Tarka at the end of the uh, mid-season finale. They, they okay, yeah. Spore driving to the middle of the DMA. Well, Cam, you enjoyed those uh, first five episodes. Why don't you listeners go ahead and give us five stars on all those podcatchers, whether it's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, what have you. <laughs> <laughs> That's going in the bloopers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just as long as listeners know that was not my that was not my voice. She literally just walked up to the mic and meowed in it. <laughs> okay. 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 I'll, I'll I'll try that again. Well, Cameron, I think we can agree. Uh, twenty twenty two, just what what are the most exceptional, like crazy, fun years of doing this podcast? If I can be honest, whether it is the abundance of TV shows to dive into, the train wreck news stories about the future of the film franchise that. We've discussed quite a bit. Um, and the fact is we got to go back to a Star Trek convention for the first time. In, oh my, is it two years or three years? Like time yeah. has no meaning anymore. No, 2019 was the last time. So first time in three years that we got to go back to a Star Trek convention and see like all of our friends from all over the world in person again. And it was just like, what a wonderful time. Uh, despite the fact that... Uh, I'm still bitter that I had to kind of make it a working holiday. You, you saw me checking my emails all the time. And there's this one day where listeners, I don't know if we shared this on the podcast, but I kind of had to kick you out of our hotel room um, <laughs> on my birthday so that I I had to work all day. I, I was pretty pissed off until uh, it was like clock hit five and then we got to go <laughs> celebrate my birthday. And we had like a fun, we went to like uh, the medieval time, or it wasn't the medieval times, it's Excalibur whatever tournament of kings tournament of kings yeah and we got to see like knights jousting each other and like uh, that was a lot of fun though for my birthday so i don't know i like i can't complain too 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 much no 2023 let's see if they can deliver the highs and the lows that this year had because it was always fun to talk about the highs and the lows and i think we had more extreme emotions talking about star trek this past year than ever before you go back way way back into the show when we're talking about like old voyager episodes or whatever <laughs> very rare do like the tempers flare the emotion really swells with enthusiasm and excitement like it did this past year so hopefully we get more of that next year only when you and i are talking about spider-man box office returns <laughs> right cam that's right i think that's that was right. the biggest fight you and i ever had on the <laughs> podcast and then we were both wrong <laughs> about our <laughs> estimates on how much spider-man 2 grossed in the box office so oh boy there you go there you go not not one of our great moments <laughs> no not but i think on that note our assignment is complete <laughs> if you enjoyed listening to this podcast we want to hear from you jump on over to the facebook page at facebook.com slash subspace pod and you can also find us on the twitter i'm at cam v is in very happy new year and 2023 to all of you smith you can find me at reporting that's R-E-P, P as in Pachinko on Apple TV+. Plus. It's, it's seriously just one of the most amazing shows. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I, I beg everyone to watch Pachinko. It, it, it sound, if you read the description, 
It sounds as if it, it's going to be like homework. It's not. It's just, it's, it's absolutely exquisite and breathtaking and engaging. So, um, O-R-T-O-N. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Pachinko. <laughs> okay, so until next time, the arena is closed. So free as the sons of the waves. Hot-a-bow, ships, jolly cars are our men. We always are ready. Steady, boys, steady. We'll fight and we'll conquer again and again. Come cheer up, my last tis to glory we steer. You'll find something new in this one. Transfer complete.